welcome back to another episode of the Hip Hop Social Worker Podcast. I am your host, Christopher Scott. And tonight with me, I have a special guest, Rubina Donnie from Southern California out of San Diego. Yes, that is correct. Hi. All right. And, uh, you know, she's uh, she can give you more of her background better than I can. So go ahead and tell the people who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, my name's Rabina Donnie. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in San Diego, California, um, but I practice in the whole state of California. And a little bit of background on me, I am Punjabi, so I'm Indian, American-born. Um, I started this field because I had just a passion for helping children and teenagers, actually. Um, whenever I would go back to my home country in India, I would see you know, all the kids and all the teenagers on the streets and everything. And a part of me is that I went and taught English to orphanage in India, which kind of kicked me off into mental health. And I saw just the need of how much it's really needed over there and it's lacking. And a part of um, my passion is that I wanted to, you know, help kids and teens get into a good family or get into a good nurturing environment. And, you know, through my pathway, I found you know, being a counselor um, has been one of the most beneficial things also in my own culture, because in mental health, there is a big stigma in South Asian communities. Um, so I want to bring light to that as well, so that people can start becoming more comfortable and starting to stop the stigmatism around mental health. That's just a little bit about me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So, um, yeah, um, I, I had uh, connected with you earlier this year, uh, you know, because I made a comment that black uh, therapists matter, and you made a comment that brown therapists matter too. And I was like, you know what, you're you're absolutely right. You know, we have to, we have to, yeah. ho- we have to hold each other down out here. You know, and um, so uh, what kind of things you know, like, do you incorporate in your practice? So what I incorporate in my practice is more integrative approach. So it's all about like healing the whole entire person, which is the body, the mind, and the spirit and mindfulness. And then one main thing is EMDR therapy. And I know you wanted to know a little bit more about that. Yeah. Okay. So EMDR therapy stands for eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Mm -hmm. So it's a long word, right? So pretty much it was developed for PTSD, like for veterans and stuff, but really it's worked with a lot of like anxiety, depression, uh, eating disorders, grief and pain and like personality disorders, you can name it. And mm. pretty much what EMDR is, is we access the brain network where that memory or that trauma was and we desensitize the emotional charge around it. So we desensitize that emotional charge so that like in the present moment you're not as charged or you're not as triggered and it's more manageable okay and a lot of people benefit from that because you know it mocks the REM sleep um in the sense where your brain pretty much goes and heals itself the client doesn't do much i don't do much as a therapist it's really the brain starts going and healing itself mind you it is a very intense process throughout the whole time because as you are accessing these suppressed memories a lot of these raw emotions around it are coming up for you to deal with and to actually process so in that way like i like to say it's like a scab where you know you get a cut it's like burning it's cracking it's you know painful in between but then overall it scabs over and it's like a fresh new skin so that's pretty much kind of what i explained with emdr you go through that process of that maybe that trauma that happened to you maybe it was an abuse back in the day and we go and 
desensitize all that emotional charge. And then we go put in the positive. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you want to deal with it in the future? Or if it comes up again, or if these emotions come up again, how would you like to deal with it? And so a lot of people do benefit from EMDR, um, especially with PTSD, anxiety, and depression and all that, because it does make them go look inside of themselves on, okay, what that's the negative belief that I developed around that trauma or around that memory. And I go replace it with a positive belief that I want of myself. Yeah. And uh, basically, so how does like, you know, how does... How does how how are those goals met like in a like like in a session? You know, like what does that what that what does that typically look, look like? like? How does it look like? So pretty much what it is is you know the the original way is you're following my eyes with my fingers, but now they have they have buzzers which you can put in your hand. And so what it looks like is we go through the history first, like before anything, we write down all of the memories that they want to work on, and I also give out a little. I guess it's a little quiz or not, but a little inventory about dissociate. Yeah. I need to know if the client dissociates. So if that is an issue, then I have to know because I have to get them out of that dissociation or looping. So pretty much like the treatment plan looks like where it comes from each of the memories that we work on that the client wants to work on. And throughout that time, you know, EMDR, they don't really need to share a lot of details with me. I just get feedback throughout the whole time that I'm doing EMDR. Mm-hmm. And I can see the movement with my notes of, okay, this is where the brain's going. This is where it's healing. And a lot of the things I've noticed also with EMDR, not just only are they changing, but they're changing the environment around them. Okay. So like, yeah. so like based on like their, their response and the way their eye moves, you can kind of tell mm-hmm. if it's triggering or not. Yes, exactly. And, you know, we go fast or we go slow or we go diagonal. So it really is the eye movement is mocking the REM sleep. You're totally fully awake and you're not hypnotized or anything. So don't, no one think it's hypnotism, but it's pretty much trying to get that rapid eye movement so we can access that either that trauma or that memory network in the brain. Mm, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I've I've always I've seen that a few times and in like reading about it is it just really seemed overwhelming and kind of yeah. int- kind of intimidating for somebody like me who doesn't really like like I don't I don't really like I don't know, like I feel like I feel like when I read that I was like that sounds intense, like too intense for me to try to grasp the the concept of that. Yeah, it is really intense. And honestly, I, I totally agree with you. When I got trained in it, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need to go figure this out on my own. So mm-hmm. I even seeked it to myself just to get a better understanding. And, you know, it's not for everybody. I'll tell you that. But um, for me, doing it on my own, like with another therapist who was EMDR trained, um, it was definitely beneficial to see and to understand what really EMDR is. And I'll tell you that, it is intense and every person gets scared every time I show them or like give them the informed consent. But most of the clients that do want to do it after they're done with one, they're like, all right, I want to do the next one, next one, next one. And they want to keep going. So it's like really magical if it does work for people and they, you can see the benefit and you can see the progression and the improvement within themselves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's dope. I like that. I'm a, uh... yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna look at some trainings to see if I are maybe start with YouTube and see, and, and you yeah. know, and try to and try to figure that out. All right, well, yeah, definitely. 
So I uh, tried the website. Uh, yeah, that's true. So you like you mentioned your website. You do have a website. So do you? Are you like a hundred percent private practice, or do you like work at an agency or? So yeah, I am pretty much. Well, I work in other places at independent contracting, but yes, I am all private practice. I'm growing my private practice. You can look me up on www.mindpeacetherapy.com, mm-hmm. um, and I do also teletherapy uh, for California residents. Okay. How does uh how does that work like the teletherapy? I know that's fairly that's fairly new to the to the scene, but it's but it's all the rave because I mean, you can you can have yeah. therapy wherever you're at. Yeah, it's definitely been a very new interesting um, you know, movement coming into our profession, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because all of us we like to do face to face, you know, that's how we can assess and like really get to know the person. So, it's been a challenge to me, but I've also learned that you know, the newer generations, that's how they're, you know, treat, like they want everything virtual. Yeah. So a part of it is that, you know, I've just been practicing with, you know, some clientels here and there with teletherapy and it's, and with them, I have already made a rapport with them in the office. So mm-hmm. a lot of them already did that. And then I go into teletherapy because, you know, their life gets away or gets busy, they have kids, all that stuff. Yeah. And I find it very convenient for them like they think it's very convenient. Um, you know, they give it to their other friends. They refer me and everything because people are busy. You know, no one wants, you know, going into traffic to go to therapy and then pick up kids. It's a lot. So yeah. I think teletherapy is the new way to get, you know, even access to treatment. Of course, it's not for high risk clients, mm-hmm. but even <laughs> for like teenagers, you know, I'm seeing some teenagers that I haven't met, but they really feel more comfortable over virtual because, you know, they don't need that social part of it yeah yeah face to face it's like uh less painful <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then to me i feel like okay that that means i can get them comfortable with therapy and kind of get them knowledgeable about it so that maybe one day they will go and see face to face yeah yeah I, yeah, yeah I, I had a um a caseworker that i was working with i also do independent contracting myself which uh nice. to me is kind of it's kind of a challenge because not because the agency is bad. I, I I actually like the agency that I contract with, but like it's but like um, I feel like people who they contract with, you know, for the referrals have like this expectation that like I am an employee or something. So so mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's like that's frustrating. But but anyway, this caseworker he was he really didn't understand like you know. Um, teletherapy or like you know doing community work and stuff like that he was kind of the more traditional you know uh sit in the office and mm. that type of stuff but it's you, you we, we gotta change with the times you know uh we gotta um yep. evolve i mean you know like um yeah it, like you know the one therapy model probably worked for everybody back in the day but but as we see that that kind of model really excluded a whole class of people you know, so, mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, your, I totally oh, agree with you. Bad. So in, in your practice, how do you like gauge a success? Well, and you mean like a client or just an overall as my practice? Um, you can do both. Okay. Well, in a, as when it goes to my practice, I believe, you know, success, you know, is having a stable practice with good clients, you know, who come consistently and, one day for myself is opening up a clinic where it brings awareness and therapeutic services to the underserved populations, such as Indians, Middle Easterns, Asian communities, 
you know, black communities, Hispanic, um, because that's where my passion is, is that to let the next generations to grow up in a world where we can talk about our feelings and the mental health and so that they can be successful in society. Mm-hmm. So to me, that is what a success is. And for me, seeing clients change and being their authentic self and giving themselves that self-love and learning all these different techniques for them to manage themselves in society today is just my success right there on my own. You know, the work of the client. That brings me the success and the joy of doing what I do. Okay. And and what about for like your treatment plans and things like that? So in my treatment plans, you know, each client is different, of course, right? Mm. So I really meet them where they're at. And I really look at which, you know, what areas they do they really need? What kind of therapy do they really need? And a part of also with me is I tap into the multicultural part in the therapy. And that's a lot of clients come to me for that, especially in San Diego where it's white dominant usually. So a lot of people are like, yeah, we want someone who is either looking like us or who understands our cultural background. So I get that a lot from my clients and we work on the cultural aspect and how much it affects our mental health. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people really understand how much cultures really affect the mental health of each person coming from communities of color. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And that's actually my next question, you know? um, So if you want to like dig into a little bit of death and I could add on to it as well, but uh, how does race play into your practice? So race is a huge factor um, just because first for me, I'm one in my family and any community to step into the mental health field first Mm -hmm. and going down this career path, you know, I got a lot of negativity around it and, you know, just basically bad feedback on why are you doing this? This is not a good field to go to. Like you're crazy. You're going to work with crazy people. (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) so of course you've heard that, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. So for me, it was just like, no, I want to go and better this world and make sure that there's an importance of mental health. Because for me, you know, first generation growing up here, I saw all the discrepancies in it and how lack of resources it was for us, you know, growing Mm. up in this community where there is a lot of access for like white people, but there isn't a lot for the brown and black people. Um, So for me, race is huge because a lot of therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, of color, don't really focus on race and the ethnic background, which is what I've noticed. So for me, I want to give that to my clients. Seeing a therapist who understands your cultural traditions and values can help alleviate the stigma and provide a safe space for them to really get that support that they need from someone that understands them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, you know, the same way. Um, Even... Like, even, um, you know, I, I, I still, like, kind of get met with a lot of, well, not a lot, but, you know, some kind of pushback. Like, you know, um, you know that's not for us or, you know, I'm not crazy, but it's like, you know, I like to try to explain things. Like, well, you don't have to be crazy to, you know, to care about your mental health. And also, you know, like the stigma, you know, the stigma of the, uh, you know, people of color who just don't, who just... Who just don't want to? Who just want? Who who just don't want to do therapy? You know, like they like I feel like like trauma is a part of our story just because we've been through so much, and and I really just want to show up and let people know that it's all right. You know, like it's all right to heal. It's all right to talk about things. It's all right to feel things. You know, like I feel like for a long time, well, just like my, you know, like me personally, I don't want to feel nothing. 
and I, I don't want to see nobody or mm. I, I don't want nobody to see that I was feeling anything unless it was like, you know, um, positive. Like, unless it was like a happy, like, oh, I'm, I'm happy. You can see I'm happy, but you can never see when I'm hurt. You can never see when I'm sad. You can never see when I'm down. You can never see, you know, it's that, like those kind of things. So, so like, I feel like, you know, that was a reason, like, you know, when I was a teenager, I kept everything kind of like average flat you know like real monotone just because yeah. you know because like if like if i get excited you can tell when i'm like not feeling good so like if i just keep everything like level you'll never know mm. you know so but but i i want more you know like i want more people of color to know that that it's okay you know and i feel like that's part of my responsibility as a as a clinician to you know represent for them, you know yeah, that makes sense. And look, where did you learn that, right? You couldn't express yourself because of what? You would probably get some backlash around it, right? Or like, suck it up, don't do this, or just go do that, right? Yeah, you know, just like that unwarranted <laughs> advice that, that never really helps. Exactly. I mean, same thing with South Asian community. I was, same thing, denial of my feelings, or don't cry, you make you, make you look weak, oh, you're not you're not feeling anxious you're just weak-minded you know getting all those kinds of backlashes can destroy also our mental health definitely up, you know as teens and um being immigrants and immigrating here is a trauma and i don't think people understand that yeah. you know getting to a different country and assimilating to the social norms new way of life and where do you get resources like People forget about that. And, you know, I've had, like, an Indian auntie come up to me and say, why should I go talk to a stranger about my problem? Mm. And I just looked at her and said, well, how about if the person who's hurting you is in your family? Who do you go talk to then? Yeah. And she had nothing to say. And, of course, she still denied it. And I said, well, in what I've seen in communities of color, especially in South Asian, because I'm part of it, is that, all right, you don't have to talk about it, but you're going to internalize everything, and it's going to manifest into physical symptoms, which is strokes heart attacks, high blood pressures, and diabetes. Mm, yeah, that sounds familiar. People forget that. that <laughs> it's a poor, Yeah, right? And I think that's the biggest thing that communities of colors need to realize. Mental health, health is part of physical health, our livelihood, our wellness. Yeah, true. Because, like, yeah, I mean, all that stress in your brain, you just really, you know, like, rather it be from overeating, you know what I'm saying, or just overthinking, worry, anxiety, you know, Mm-hmm. The, like the, yeah. like those kind of things. It's it's just it, it weighs on you. You know, like you just you really feel bad. You know when um, you know when you're stressed and you're depressed and you can't you don't have an outlet. You know, like you just don't you just you just don't have no like you just don't have nowhere to you 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 know to place that you know that hurt and you got you got hold it in. That really it it makes you sick. Yeah, it does. And people don't notice that, you know, and especially immigrants or people of color, like this is damaging to, you know, your kids. Like, yes, you might be focused on keeping the roof over your head, but the kid might be thinking, why aren't they paying attention to me? Like, why aren't they helping me through the stressor right mm-hmm. now? Which could be damaging right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a client that's uh, going through the generational thing with his parents, you know, um, they, you know, they immigrated. And you know, mm. you know, and they provide this, you, you know, this good life for him. And you know, he says he says things, you know, he complains about things, and they just tell him, you know, like, well, you have it way easier than we ever had it. You know, don't cry. You know, like, suck it up and and 
and go to work, you know, that kind of stuff. So, and, and, you know, like I used to work in the school district too. And you would hear stories about that, like from a lot of different cultures, you know, like people who came to this country, you know, because the family might've survived wartime or, you know, they might've traveled a thousand miles or, you know, something real, real tough. I'm not trying to, you know, say that their experience isn't valid, but because they went through so much trauma and they survived it, it's like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, you shouldn't feel sad because you get bullied at school. That's nothing. You know, like I was, you know, I got bullied by a country, you know, and I mean, you know, hypothetically speaking, but yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And you're right. And you know, what I've also realized in research is that ethnic communities really focus on family and communities. So like, you know, they're like, Oh, why are you feeling sad? You need to go to work because you need to help the family out. Like yeah. suck it up and go to work. Right. That's part of, because you need to do that for the family or in South Asia, we get, well, what other people think about mm. this or you hurt me. That means you hurt the whole family. Yeah. You know, and America is very individualized, right? And so I think a lot of immigrant parents don't realize, I know for me, I've experienced and I've had clients who share this with me that, you know, their parents just don't understand that it's a different world where they came into, you know, these are different problems that we're dealing with besides what they dealt with, right? Like, yeah, we're not in the slums in the country or whatever, but there is different problems here in society that we have to deal with growing up in America where we get told something when we go out to school and then when we get home it's told something different yeah that, yeah that's very true. conflicting and yeah and, and yeah and, and yeah it's all just ways on you and it's just, it's just a different world anybody from like my age you know maybe like maybe from like anybody who's born in the 80s and younger is seeing a mm-hmm. totally different world from like you know the people that are born you know uh like Totally. You know, the people who were born before us because it's just like like the 80s just really boomed and everything kind of just, everything kind of just turned up and, it, and, and at a rapid pace, you know, and it just was, it just, it just was crazy. And, and like, just like little things like having like, you know, cell phone bills and just bills for everything, you know, like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, my grandparents, yeah, they were poor, but they probably only had like, you know, maybe one bill. <laughs> You know, yeah. or they didn't have any bills. You know, they probably have like a, you know, like uh, maybe taxes and a mortgage. But I feel like, you know, this. I mean, this along with like you know financial responsibilities, just like social media and just like just the stress of like surviving. You know, mm-hmm. like like I feel like road rage has increased because everybody's trying to get to work and traffic's bad. And if I get to work, if I, I was already late this week, and if I if I lose my job, then this is happening. And you know, you know that this, I feel like everybody on the road is just stressed because our our just our living conditions are are killing us. Yep, I agree. The stress of work and how America also is so about work, 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 and no rest and no recovery. Mm-hmm. Right. And I always tell my clients, you know, if you died one, if you died the <laughs> next day, your job will be posted on Indeed that same day. That same day. Well, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But and only person, the only way, the only way a new person will find out if he asks someone and they will say, oh, yeah, he died. They were like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I don't know exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so um, mm-hmm. I visited San Diego last year and I absolutely loved it. You know, I mean, oh yeah, it was what nice. What did you like about it? It the weather was nice. Um, I liked the, like the old kind of vibe. Like it was like a like a, like I felt like like when I got there and I pulled up to the airport, I was like, this town looks old, 
But then when I like start okay. hanging out, I was like, now I see why it looks old because it kind of has like a kind of like a laid back like vibe. Like ah, you know we. This is kind of how we live in, you know, and it's and, and people loved it. So I was, you know, I liked it. It was ex- I, I didn't notice that it was it was expensive to live there, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely really cha- laid back and chill vibes. You know, the beaches is the number one thing that everyone comes here for, really yeah. in San Diego. Yeah. So. so like, does like the cost of living affect like the like social justice aspect of the area? Yeah, so I don't think a lot of people under know that San Diego has is conservative actually. Mm-hmm. So it does affect that because there are areas of San Diego where you can go and you'll see it's like you know the rich conservative area versus like if we go a little bit closer to the border, it's not as much. But you know, it does play a big part of it. And right now, I mean, hopefully more diversity is coming down here because when I was growing up here, I went through my own racism here yeah. and dealing with all that and maneuvering my way through everything. But um, the living of cost here is definitely going up. I mean, it's not as much as maybe San Francisco, but it's definitely getting there. And it's because also people from different diversities and, you know, different kinds of, I guess, political parties are coming down. But also San Diego is a big military town as well. And I think that's where all the conservatives kind of want to hold on to everything. Mm. Yeah, I didn't notice that, too, that it was, you know, that it was pretty conservative. Like, it wasn't like as much as I've seen, but I was, yeah. it, there was there was definitely a lot of it going on. I was like, all right, well, oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I went to high school with some skinheads at my school. Damn. So, yeah, <laughs> it was definitely uh, more apparent over there when I was growing up. How much um, racism was uh, was pretty was really, was really huge. Yeah, yeah, that's you know that's unfortunate. Like, and, but it's, it's, even in a situation like that, you know, that plays on your mental health. Even though they might not have ever messed with you, you you just like knowing that that threat is around. You know, yes, that's that's huge. And, oh, and, yeah. and a lot of people don't really like. A lot of people don't put that in perspective. Like, like me, just like just knowing like. Just the racial element around everything is like it's 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 hard, you know. It's hard, and I feel like people of color like automatically have that, you know. Like you just wake up with that. Oh yeah, totally. I agree with you. Oh my god, I think that was one of the things that I've noticed growing, you know, in high school when everyone was telling me, you know, all the racist stuff that they were telling me. You know, part of me when I went home, you know, of course they would be like, "No, they're wrong," and all that kind of stuff, but they didn't even check on me on my mental health part and to me that's what i want to provide to kids nowadays is that look at the racial climate going on right now it is bad you know and i want to give my um kids of student of color a chance to relate to someone like me or you you know who've been through all this and how they how we can help them so it doesn't affect their mental health you know and for me of course like I maneuvered and learned and it made me mentally strong because of the fact that I had to deal with a lot of this stuff. But part of it is that I look at so much ethnical and racial stuff and everything that I do, because it is a big part of my life. And a lot of people <coughs> like white people maybe don't really recognize that as much, but um, I hope that this can provide, you know, people of color 
and teenagers and kids and over the generations next that look you can go and get these resources to people who've already been through all this like you and me mm-hmm. and see where they're coming from and maybe get some help around it yeah definitely i you know i had a um, i did an assessment the other day and had this kid mm-hmm. who who had this correlation of um mental health with our therapy was having problems you know with, with being crazy and i was and then I, I, it really just kind of, I mean, I, I really just was kind of not disappointed in him, but disappointed that, like, you know, the, in our society is that, you know, that we paint that picture of, you know, um, having therapies, like, meaning that you, you you have some kind of issue, you know. And, and, I, and I don't think that that at all, you know, as far as, like, therapy goes. But I do think that we are kind of a, that we might put too much emphasis on it on therapy just because you know like i see a lot of like you know like so like a lot of my clients are like um you know they're like um on the state insurance you know so mm-hmm. so i feel like you know when you're like in a system like that's oppressing you like you might be dealing with uh job insecurity food insecurity um you know those kind of hard things it's kind of hard to you know um mindfulness your way out of that you know, like yeah. you know, like this definitely kid. does. <laughs> you know, so um, definitely. <laughs> I mean, you talk about Medicare, Medicare, and Medicare, right? All those kind of insurances. Um, yeah, well, yeah, like around that same, yeah. So, like, you know, yeah, in uh, Oregon, it's OHP, Oregon Health Plan. I mean, I agree because when I was working at agencies, I'm, I mean, I did all my training in LA, and I've noticed that as well with a lot of clients would just be like, "Don't write that on my file. Don't put that there. That diagnosis because I don't know if I'm going to get a job now or go to school and this." And mm-hmm. they would think it affects so much of their stuff. And I mean, a part of it, yes, it does. I understand, but it's also, you know, there are people um, that really do have this, and you need to understand more about it so yeah. that you can be more, you know successful in society yeah and you know there's positive spins on like knowing your diagnosis like you can kind of be aware and like you know if you know you have this diagnosis and you heard some like some like false narratives about it you can you know like like in a session we can sit down and figure out you know what's true and what's not like okay you heard this you know like a person who's schizophrenic has this well this is this is the true part about that what you heard and here's the false part about what you heard, you know, or, you know, are the, are the part that you might have misinterpreted, you know, so those kind of things are definitely, yeah. uh, definitely, good, I agree, too, you know, so, um, when you have your cases, you know, like, how do you know when it's time to, um, disengage from a case, you know, Ooh, that's a good one. So usually when I will. This is one thing that I do look at is, okay, how much progress are they doing? Are they being stagnant? Are they putting in the work? And then, you know, I have a conversation with them and let them know that therapy is, it only works as much as that you put into it, you Mm -hmm. know? And if I keep hearing the same excuses or still hearing kind of the stagnant ways that they don't want to do it or, you know, whatever excuses they want to give me, that's the part where I start to have that conversation okay well we probably need to terminate because of the fact that you know where can I help you further or how come you know there isn't any movement going on you know have you been doing the work Um, and that's where we get to really recognize okay here's some things we need to work on or do you really want to try this or not you know and sometimes most of the clients do disengage and they leave and go and probably go talk to a therapist who just wants to listen to them, you know, and Mm -hmm. what I've noticed me, you know, being a millennial therapist, 
Um, you know, I'm not just there to sit there and listen to you talk about your problem. I'm actually going to help solve through all this yeah. and challenge you and really like do cognitive behavioral, you know, do EMDR, do integrative, like anything in that sense. And so sometimes, you know, I recognize, okay, some of these patients might just need like someone just to listen to them. And for them, that's when I go and say, you know what, I'm probably not the best fit for you for that because I am very more engaged into my therapeutic process because I do want to see change and I do want to see them get better and become their authentic self. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's no point of, you know, uh, working with them if they're not going to work. Exactly. You know, that's just, uh, you know, and. Yeah, it's just, it's just more it's just more work for you and you know you being kind of a busy person, you know, as far as like yeah. just, you know this this speaking in general as far as like therapy goes. You know, like you know like a lot of us, you know, have multiple jobs or multiple contract mm-hmm. holders or whatever and so if somebody's not going to, you know, be engaged, okay, well let's you know let's let's figure something else out. You know? Yeah. Or you can be engaged. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can only take them so far with in the therapy room, you know, and everything else is outside the therapy room. It's, you know, and that's what I like to remind each one of them is that you put in the work outside of the therapy mm-hmm. room. I yeah. can only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. We're not, we, have, we, we cannot be there every second of your, you know, <laughs> exactly. <of your> life. <laughs> but, uh, okay. So you named your company is, uh, Slip on my mind piece therapy, yeah. Mind piece therapy, okay. <laughs> so, besides the obvious, uh, why mm-hmm. did you, you know, did you go with the uh name mind piece therapy? So, for me, you know, being in San Diego, it's very beachy and stuff like that. And I love the beach, I'm a beach girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to incorporate that very relaxing, therapeutic, holistic kind of environment in my business. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, when you go on my website, you can kind of see that it's very um, like beachy and very calm and very peaceful. So I want to incorporate that because I'm a very big believer on the mind. Mm-hmm. You know, the mind is a very powerful thing. Our brain is probably the most important organ in our bodies, you know, and it produces so much um, within ourselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So I believe that if we can change some of those thoughts and those feelings like CBT, right, that we can change our perspective in life in our mind and become peaceful in that sense. So that's kind of where I kind of brought it in together. I just opened last November, so it's pretty still new, but so far I've been getting good feedback around it. And, um, you know, one day I want to open up a clinic under mind peace therapy. So it kind Mm -hmm. of gives that name of, okay, this is a place where you can get holistic mindfulness, therapeutic services, as well as like CBT and integrative. Yeah. Okay. What kind of challenges have you faced building your private practice? So some of the challenge I have faced in my private practice is, you know, one is marketing because that's always tough with especially technology right now. Um, You know, I'm just trying to get myself out there and, you know, do my meditations at boot camps and do it at, do some talks around the community. I do have my Instagram page of Mind Peace Therapy, my website and, you know, that's probably one of the toughest ones, but, you know, I'm learning through the whole process and also deadlines. I also learned that deadlines is definitely something to not take so hard on, you know, to kind of 
let it be. And whenever it comes out, it comes out because, mm. you know, that's your work. That's your baby that you want to produce. Yeah. Um, and then also finding community of other like women and people of color who are in, who are entrepreneurs and really coming together so that we can, you know, kind of lean on each other because it is hard, you know, working your other jobs and then building a business. It's definitely, you know, a lot, you know, I'm literally at work almost not 24 seven, but I work odd hours, even at night to the morning and outside of my practice in order yeah. to get it growing. Um, yeah. So I'm just kind of learning still from, from it. And it's been a good experience so far. So I just did a meditation, mindfulness meditation after a boot camp that my friend held in Liberty station here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way for me to also market myself as well to people get to know my name out there. Nice. That I'm the holistic multicultural therapist in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that's, <laughs> that's been my challenge too, is the marketing. I'm not very good at networking. I'm getting better, but like, I, I'm just like, like if I went to a networking event, I would just probably sit in the corner and not, um, <laughs> you know, and not speak to anyone, you know? So, um, you know, but I have started trying mm-hmm. to like put on my own networking events. I've had two so far, and they've been they've been all right. You know, uh, I, I can't be mad at the outcome oh, they wow. had. You know, so um, oh wow, yeah. So really, yeah, that's I'm, pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I just want I just want everybody to kind of know who's in their community. You know, like um, I feel like you know a lot of us working in the city, we are the area we work in, but if you really want, you know. You know, to build your network and your net worth is is it it wouldn't hurt to know who's all who's all here and who and who has that resource, this resource, all oh, this person knows how to do that, this person knows how to do that, this person, you know, has an uncle who, you know, who owns a building, who wants to rent it for cheap, or you know, whatever kind of random shit you might find networking, you know. Like I kinda want everybody to know, you know, like if I went to a different city and did it. You know, like that'd be the goal. It's like, okay, I just want, I just want everybody to know who's around, who's in the area, is there, is it whether they're a, a, yes. a LPC, a social worker, a LMFT, you know, or you know, like just a, or, or you know, like a, or just a community organizer, you know, just who, like just know who's in your, just know who's in your area, you know. Yeah, totally, and I agree because especially now that every a lot of people are coming to San Diego, I think the people of color are also looking for that as well. Mm-hmm. That support, yeah. and I agree with you. Like, I mean, uh, those networking events it can be hard for sure. And I've kind of get myself involved with a lot of them out here. Um, but again, you know, it's tough because you know it's your practice. You want to, you can give as many cards and flyers out, but it's really the client's job to really contact you and get in, right? Yeah, that's true. You yeah. gotta, you gotta want it. So I remember I yeah. talked to you last year before. Um, you know, I asked you to to be on this podcast. Or was, it was earlier this year. Is when I was, I think it was when I was trying mm-hmm. to get my season three lineup right, and you you mentioned that you were going to do a podcast. Yeah. How's that process so going? The podcast. Well, it's going. <laughs> we got some episodes recorded. We're at the editing part now. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is something maybe I can ask you about. Yeah, I can try to help you out. Um, but <laughs> yeah, um, me and my other friend, she's Bengali, so we're both basically wanting a podcast. Um, it's called Chai and Chatter. Mm. it's going to be talking about basically the, opening up the discussion around mental health in South Asian or any cultural community and how to stop the stigma. Mm. So we're going to be talking about like different topics like, well, 
in Indian culture, the marriage pressure is a really big. Yeah. And that can also be damaging to mental health, right? Mm-hmm. And the pressures of, okay, you need to study and be a doctor, lawyer, this and this and that. That's also pressure. Getting bullied for being, you know, brown skinned or having a turban on. You know, there's different things that we go through in culture that also affects our wellness and our mental health that, you know, me and her, because she's also becoming an MFT as well, my friend, Nadia, um, we want to open this up so that people of our generation and younger can really feel that there's someone out there that can relate to them. And then they can, you know, maybe push them through, okay, I can go get some services then. Because there are people with these podcasts that can really understand it and make it normalized. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm always surprised about, like, um, the amount of people that listen to, like, podcasts. It's like, thank you listen to... I might listen to like you know I try to listen to a lot, but but I really don't like I, I'm just too used to listening to music. So like so like yeah. I, I might listen to a podcast, but it's like I really want to listen to this song though. <laughs> so and like I and I don't have the time to listen to everything. So you know so I, I I'm trying to find a balance of um you know like of how to how to get like you know like a good intake. But but yeah, podcast is definitely a a way to. You know to get your messages out there. I like it because I don't have to ask nobody for permission. You know, I, I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can you know erase whatever I want if I don't want nobody to hear what what I said. You know, and I thought it was maybe too. You know, it was too much. But I just like it because you know because you know like in in a world of academics, you know, uh, if you want to like uh, you know. Uh, be a public speaker or something, you know, somebody has to like, you know, see you and you, uh, and like say, Hey, I, mm-hmm. I want you to come speak for us. But what a podcast is like, you, you don't hear what I got to say, you know, you know, if you want, you know, you yeah. can listen to what I got to say. I, I, I ain't waiting for no invitations, you know, for nothing. So, um, yeah. You know. And that's another part of the podcast is like a new marketing strategy. I think that other clinicians have been thought about either. Yeah. You know, and I tell people, oh, I'm going to have a comeback. I was coming out like other therapists that I talked to and stuff. They're like, oh, my God, I could never do that. Like, what? So, <laughs> and I think, well, it's because the millennials and younger generations are listening to podcasts. I mean, yeah. they want a clinician who has a presence on the online mm-hmm. so they can see who they are and kind of, you know, see what their story is. And I see that more of that is coming about, which is why the podcast, I think, was so good. And for me, you know, I've found my co-host who also is in the same field so yeah hopefully we'll be done soon yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's really all about like uh you know plugging and chugging you you know uh i recorded a lot of bad audio um and and so it's, it's just you know it's just yeah it's just uh doing it and figuring it out really you know yeah trial and error right yeah definitely so <laughs> yeah. um what do you do for self-care? Oh, so for self-care, one of my main ones is, you know, living in San Diego is I do surf. Mm-hmm. And I love surfing because it, first, it's a great body workout. I'll tell you that for yeah. sure. But it also helps you release like anxiety, negative thoughts, like any kind of energies that I'm feeling. Because when I get in the water, it's just me in the water. And I have to be in that moment to catch that wave. And that really helps me to be in the moment and be present, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I've always been active. I played sports all my life, you know, I played basketball, lacrosse, track and field and stuff. 
So being active is just one of my main self-care, you know, just working out, you know, surfing, spin class, uh, running around the beach or around the Mission Bay. Um, besides that, you know, I do travel, you know, whenever I feel burnout, traveling, I think is one of my greatest self-cares that I can do for myself because, you know, when we feel burnout, we feel that lack of compassion for the clients and stuff. So I think when I go travel, it kind of brings that back up again for me Mm -hmm. and traveling has been always a part of my life because I've lived in Asia and in San and in California or United States, um, throughout my life. Um, but the more smaller things I like to do is just, you know, positive affirmations, journaling, and checking in my inner self and my inner child, actually. That's one of the biggest things that's really helped me that I actually found through EMDR um, mm-hmm. is checking in within the internal side of me, which um, I try to teach to my clients of how we can do that. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. Uh, uh, how do you... You mentioned that, um, you know, San Diego is a very white dominant space. How do you mm-hmm. maneuver through that being a person of color and also like, uh, you know, um, uh, like, a, are you a, are you a second generation or? Uh, I'm first generation. Okay. So, yeah. How does, how does, how, how do you maneuver through, through that? Yeah. That's a good question. So, you know, how I survived through it is, you know, I first just learned how to maneuver throughout my childhood being in the white dominated areas and stuff like that. Even though I got, you know, bullied about racism and all that kind of stuff, it really made me aware of how much multiculturalism is needed and diversity is needed. And the one thing I looked at is a lot of therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists of color, even Indian ones, they don't really focus on this part so what I did is you know I looked at all right what's the one thing these white therapists and white dominant areas cannot really grasp on mm-hmm. cultural understanding cultural awareness so for me that's kind of how I maneuvered my way through is you know what I'm going to educate you on the cultural aspects on all cultural aspects of that if I can or get you to understand this is where it's coming from yeah you know and I think that's where I found my way through and focusing on the diversity part. And now, you know, I'm always the token Indian around. I mean, Mm. I'm used to that. Right. So I just educate people around my culture, around the things surrounding being South Asian and being first generation Indian, you know, that's how I learned to survive and identify with clients who also are dealing with all that. And I provide that understanding and that emotional support, which maybe you know, like a white therapist couldn't maybe, you know? Mm. Um, and for me also, I also get, because I'm Indian, there are, you know, a lot of people say, oh, like you're close enough to white. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Just because I'm Indian? <laughs> like, yeah. what? So I get that. Yeah, they're like, oh, you don't, you don't fall into that racist area because you, like Indians are like the in between that, which is weird. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, no, you guys still don't understand our culture because you guys are still denying us. You're suppressing us in so many ways, even at, in work, like in society, everything. Yeah. Nowadays, Indian Americans are now on TV and the media, which is great. And I'm like, so happy for that. Yeah. And I want more of that. But at the same time, like, I think a lot of people, people just mistaken what they see in the media. Right. Mm-hmm. Like for me, they get They mistake me as maybe, islamic all the time just because i'm brown okay or like my grandpa wears a turban doesn't mean he's islamic he's sikh yeah you know i'm punjabi sikh so 
part of me is just, I've learned, I need to educate people. I don't really take it offensive as much anymore because mm. I've been through it so many times. And of course, yeah, there is, are times when that is very offensive. Yes. But yeah, other times I just take that approach of like, let me just educate you on this rather than you being, you know, looking at this in a different type of way or this perspective on me. Yeah. And for me, I don't look like the typical Indian girl, right? On TV or all that kind of stuff. So mm. even more people are like, okay, what are you? Like, you look kind of half white or Indian, like Italian or stuff like that. And to me, I'm like, oh, I'm Indian. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I am. <laughs> and I'm going to keep saying it proudly because the fact is that we need to get educated around different cultures that are coming into this world. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We, yeah. Uh, a lot of... I feel like that was like the whole like um, Trump kind of a, you know, uh, movement was people trying to hold on to old American ideals, you know. Yeah. They wanted to keep things white. I mean, just to keep it, you know, let's, yeah. let's just keep it real, and uh, you know, and uh, but I feel like we could be so much better off if we just if if we all just accept everyone's, you know, just accept everyone's culture. You know, yeah, we I mean, everybody. bringing kindness and um, compassion to each other. I mean, that's the first step, really, I feel like, too. You know, so. That's all we need. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So do you want to uh, go ahead and, you know, give a little short spiel about your business and stuff before we end this? Yeah. So um, anyone who is looking for some therapy out in California, <laughs> you can look me up on my Instagram on MindPeace Therapy or www.mindpeacetherapy.com. Um, again, my name is Rabina Donnie, and I focus on trauma, mood disorders like anxiety, depression, and cultural aspects. Um, and again, you know, just give me a contact and I'd be more more than willing to give you, you know, talk to you about anything uh, and do a consultation and see where you're at and maybe provide you also resources. So a part of my business is I want to bring um, therapeutic service to the underserved population, which is you know, Asian cultures, Indians, uh, Black, Hispanic, all that, um, so that they can have some place, a safe space that they can go and find some understanding for themselves and become their authentic self as well. And that's just my joy of bringing to this world is, you know, I like to say this quote that's by Tupac Shakur that I've always loved. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee you I will spark the brain that will change the world. And I really do believe that. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how that's how, that's how we got to see it. It's like, you know, it just... Just one, you know. I'm just looking. I'm just looking for one, you know. If I can get one, maybe I can get two, you know. Because, you know, changing people's like trying to trying to heal people's trauma, trying to get them to see the world differently in in about six months or a year, you know. And they've been dealing with the stuff they've seen forever. It's it's hard, you know. So if you can get one that's kind of like, you know, that. It's able to go from you know point A to point B and and you know and have all the you know, the healing and things like that, you know that's that's a blessing. You know that's definitely yes. Put <laughs> plant yeah. the seed and hopefully it grows. That's yeah. what I wish for. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you joining me. You know. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it too. Oh, no problem.